Voices that inspire the extended interview. I'm Steve Outlaw. I'm the executive director of the Florida Public Safety Institute. So how did you tell me, let's start from the beginning. Are you from Tallahassee? I was raised here. Actually, uh, my father worked for the state. He took a transfer in 1970. Uh, I was 10, so don't do the math on that. Um, but yeah, he, he transferred to Tallahassee. And so my uh, he, my mom, my older brother, and then me, we all moved up uh, when I was 10 years old. So I was effectively raised here. Mm-hmm. And how did you end up pursuing a career in law enforcement? Well, there was no master plan. Uh, I, I always liked the outdoors. And so as I got into high school, through high school, I liked to hunt and I liked to fish. And I kind of liked the aspect of law enforcement. So I wanted to be a, a then game warden, you know, what we call a wildlife officer now. And so, but then I had a little career change after high school. I floundered in life like everybody else did. I I actually uh, went, I started TCC. I'm a TCC alum um, for some classes anyway. Uh, and so when I was 18, I, I was going to night school. I was working full time and I, I seemed to find more time, class time at my girlfriend's house than I did in class. Uh, and that turned out pretty good. And we've since been married for 40 years. So it wasn't all bad, but I realized in life I was not getting traction you know, for a career or just advancement. And so I went into the military. I started off with the United States Air Force, and I went into security police because it was a law enforcement function. And so at some point uh, in my seven and a half years of active duty, uh, I kind of translated that and kind of matured into more urban policing. And so when I left active duty, I came home to Tallahassee and I applied for the Tallahassee Police Department, and I started there in 1987. Uh, they sponsored me. Uh, they hired me and sponsored me through the academy. And so 32 and a half years later, I retired in January of 2020. So what, what, would, what was your take on your years as being – I mean, obviously, you moved up the ranks. You, you, yes. Did you start originally as like, you know, having a beat or – How'd you start? Yeah, you, you just start off, you graduate from the academy, then you go through what, you know, a version of an OJT on the job training program, and law enforcement is called field training officer program. And so you go through that whole uh, iteration of internal training, and then you're solo. You're working by yourself. Um, my, I always gravitated towards my initial assignments were always the inner city areas. And so I was either working South City or Frenchtown or Bond. And so that's, that's my background. And so patrol officer, I was part of a, uh, they don't no longer have this program any longer, but it was a housing unit. And so I was a charter member of that. And so we had, we had a small group of folks that we policed just the uh, properties owned by the Tallahassee Housing Authority. And so I, all of my assignments have always been in the, in the Frenchtown or South City areas. So... What's it like policing in those sort of neighborhoods? What what did you feel was your strategy to navigate that? You know, it's got to be a little scary. You're coming into these neighborhoods, you don't know people. How do how you're you're so iconic 
just you're showing up. People have an opinion one way or the other. How did you navigate that? Well, I was able to call it an epiphany, call it divine intervention, call it upbringing. But I, I realized pretty early on the value of relationships and just to be able to have a conversation. All, everything that comes out of a police officer or a law enforcement or, or a deputy's mouth should not be a, just a command to do something. And so, you know, our job in life is, yeah, we keep the peace. We bring calm out of chaos. But it's to, sometimes you find short-term solutions. You strive for longer-term resolutions in things that we respond to. But you realize, okay, you know, I'm, I'm here. They call us when things are going bad. They don't call us and say, hey, we're having a party. We're having steaks. Come on over. It's always when you find people at the worst. And so you, you learn to strive pretty quickly. Okay, what can I do to bring some positivity? Sometimes positivity is only a short-term solution of taking somebody's backside to jail and just cut it what it is. But when you can, you try to have an influence on people for a more longer-term resolution because if you work in these areas, you're assigned to an area, if they called you once, they're probably going to call you two or three times over the course of your assignment in that area. And so you realize it's not and, and I learned this in the military, and I, I was active duty for seven and a half years, then I was uh, inactive for National Guard for 17 years, eventually retired from that. But you realize it's not us against them. You know, we're all citizens. And a, an analogy I use now with our uh, law enforcement and corrections and probation officer and, and fire, our public safety officials that we develop out there, is it's the 40 and 168. Guys, you're on the clock 40 hours a week. We always work over, but there's 168 hours, clock hours in a week. And so we're just as much citizens as we are a public safety official. You know, always remember that. And so you, you, have, to, you have to really embrace that, that, okay, it's not me against them. They have an unfortunate circumstance. I need to look for a violation of a law. Is there a, is there a crime that is occurring? And if so, then what discretion do I have for the solution or a longer-term resolution? Uh, I used to tell my folks when I started supervising, and, and I was a supervisor of our gang unit in Tallahassee Police Department for a number of years, and I would tell my folks, I said, guys, you know, read the situation. Sometimes a parent can have more influence on a child than the criminal justice system. And so instead of giving somebody a title or a tag, you know, as a, as a criminal, sometimes a parent or a family unit member can really have that, really what we want, the outcome that we really desire. And so you let them handle it. We document it. And sometimes we'd have to confer with the state attorney's office, hey, is it okay if we do this? And so you, it really depends on your outlook in life as to what, what you're there for, your purpose of, of going there. So I learned early on the value of relationships and just being able to strike up a conversation, say, hey, yeah, I'm Steve, what's your name, and anything going on, just have a conversation without necessarily an end goal, uh, a law enforcement end goal in mind. So you didn't set out initially to go into law enforcement. It, as you mentioned, as you kind of found your path and after the military, this became your path. What what would you say after such a long career and now this sort of second chapter sure. in your career, 
What What do you think it is that's so compelling for you about this profession you've dedicated so much of your life to? To develop other folks. One of my passions as I moved up through the ranks, um, and I, I've already said I, I was at Tallahassee Police Department for 32 and a half years, and and of that, I was in training and development section three different times for an aggregate of about 16 years. And so between my supervisory leadership roles and then working in training development, all that kind of morphed and, and melded into enjoying watching people grow, not just watching them grow in their primary role, uh, but also in their leadership role. And there's, there's no other uh, satisfaction than to watch people around you grow when the light bulb comes on. And when they're, when they're met with a challenge, a supervisory challenge, and they all of a sudden have an epiphany and they combine some concepts and principles into a solution and, and to be able to critically think through it. Um, so, yeah, watching, watching people grow. And, and I talk to a lot, of, a lot of police recruits, a lot of trainees, a lot of supervisor trainees. And I said, you know, one of the worst things that happened in our industry – is when they came up with the term is a law enforcement officer, but they had to, and I, and I am one. I am a LEO, um, you know, law enforcement officer, because what else do you call this huge fraternity of people who enforce codes, statutes, ordinances, rules, all this stuff, and they all carry guns? Well, let's call them law enforcement officers. Well, unfortunately, there's a few through history that have turned that into a job description. And, and that is so much different than professional policing. In policing, only a very small fraction of what we do really involves enforcement. It, it's sometimes we're a clearinghouse at 2 o'clock in the morning when a family comes in on fumes and they run out of gas in a parking lot. What are you going to do? You own it. You catch it. You clean it. You own it. Okay, what are you going to do? You can't walk away. And so very little what we do is actually in the enforcement business. However, when you do have to enforce something, you need to do it very competently and with resolution, especially if we have to respond with a deadly force to resolve something because there's an active threat going on. Um, there is a there's an analogy. In fact, I've come up with through the words, and this list has grown since I was teaching uh, actively teaching probably 10 years ago. And I've got a list of 41 words and concepts, and I talk to my uh, basic classes now about them. And they're just, if you can, if you understand the, the importance of these words or these concepts, you're never going to have a problem in your policing world. Uh, <clears throat> and I said, all these things, if you think of a mixer board, a sound board, and you have them right here in the studio, and you have different size sound boards. They may have a, a, a 30 different switches, slide switches, so you get more gain here, more output here, different frequencies. I said every one of these needs to be on there. And it's go, it goes from you know understanding your authority to allegiance to compassion to integrity, uh, resolution. So if I need to shoot somebody, unfortunately, all those things have to be on this board, and that everything goes to every call for service. But you have to have that maturity to know, okay, at this point, because any call for service is like a roller coaster ride. There's ups, there's downs. Everything is in play. 
However, at this exact second, okay, I need a little more compassion. Oh, I need a little more insight. I need a little more understanding. Okay, I need a little more authority. I need to be a little more resolute. I need to everything. So when we develop folks out there, we have to develop all these facets and and with a sense of hope. Hope is not a plan, but then when they leave us, you know, they can continue on some other training and development and leadership of their agencies to help guide them as to when, okay, I need more of this, less of this, but they have to have something behind that switch to flip. And, and that's, that's one of the problems we find. Uh, and I've been teaching, for example, use of force and defensive tactics issues for literally over 30 years as an instructor through FDA, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And so we would always poll the class of defensive tactics. Who here, raise your hand if you've never been in a fight. And so we're supposed to take somebody in 770 hours, and that's the clock hours in the curriculum, and turn them into somebody that can use discretion in any situation. And you, don't, you really can't gauge what is 770 hours. Well, statutorily, and this is about two or three-year-old data, so I haven't looked up the statute recently, but to be a, a, cos- a certified cosmetologist or a barber, and there's two different tracks, that's 1,200 hours. You know, to be a licensed uh, LPN, licensed professional nurse, it was, I think, a couple of years ago up in 900 hours. Yeah, but we, you know, we apply 770 hours to teach a law enforcement officer and then they graduate, they go to the respective agencies, they're given, bestowed this authority, you know, a uniform, a title, a badge, a gun. And unfortunately for small agencies, their charges don't embarrass me, you know. And so it's, it's such an awesome responsibility. And sometimes the only training they really get is what they get in the academy. And, and so then we have, to, we have to stop at that comment and bifurcate what that is. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so I, and I'll tell, and I, in fact, I, I uh, had a conversation. We entertained uh, the state chancellor that came in, uh, wanted to review Tallahassee Community College. Uh, and so she spent about three and a half hours in her delegation. And one of the things I said then is for us to be successful, we have to appreciate the difference between education, training, and development. And so we are, yeah, we educate and we have a curriculum we go by. And that's, it's a boilerplate curriculum, and it's, it's used statewide in Florida. But, yeah, we have to take it to a different level, and we have to develop people. Uh, everybody's heard the term citizen soldier, all right? Well, I kind of rephrased, recoined that term into citizen public safety um, officer, yeah, because we take citizens and then we develop them to do full-time what's really incumbent upon everybody to do in society is to police themselves, but we have to pay people to do it full-time and to use that discretion. So there is a lot that goes into developing people as a, as a citizen public safety member. Yeah, I, it, absolutely. And, you know, they, you're right. Then they go out there and they have authority and they have – you hope they have discretion and all those words that you have instilled in them. I mean, it's a big responsibility. So, you know, now that, now that you're at FIPSI, what, what do you hope to achieve there? What, like what made you want to do that job and what do you hope to achieve? 
Yeah, well, that it's uh, again call it uh, luck of fate, divine intervention, and, and I'm, I lean always in the in the direction of divine intervention because we don't know God's plan. We, if you there's old joke, if you ever want to hear God laugh, tell him your plan. And, and so, uh, when I retired from uh, Tallahassee Police Department, I knew I would need to take off about a month just to get caught up on honeydews, you know, renovations here, renovations there, and I had no idea what the future held. And so a couple of opportunities came up, and then the timing just didn't seem to work out on them. I actually took a position with the state. Um, and then about two months in that position, this position opened up, and it, I, it was not on the radar. I had no idea it was going to open up. But I've always had a passion for developing people to provide that foundation. Because if you get the foundation, then they have something to build on and to help them make critical decisions. Um our world in public safety is chock full of critical decision-making every day. And unlike a traditional work environment where you have a supervisor with span of control, maybe four or five workers in front of them, 10 workers in front of them, you're distributed in law enforcement, you're distributed across the city or across the county with no direct supervision besides what you have available on the radio. But if you're presented with an, a critical issue, you got to make a critical decision and provide a critical thought-out response, uh, not a reaction, but a response, and then the supervisor can kind of play catch-up uh, or your backup officers. So going there is like, okay, man, what an opportunity to make a difference at the ground level, at the floor level for these uh, officers getting into their new careers. Yep, that's a great, great way to... Think about it, especially you have so much knowledge to be able to you've seen it from such a multiple perspectives to right. then be able to kind of set the tone for this what you want to achieve out there. And you're getting, you know, recruits from all over the state. So you have a an, a really neat opportunity to go beyond Tallahassee. Yeah. Sure it is. Yeah, when they walk out of us and in, in fact, we uh, we just had two law enforcement classes uh, take their state exam. Um, and again, that's a common state exam. Every law enforcement officer, it doesn't matter if you work for Florida High Patrol, Florida uh, Wildlife Conservation Commission, police department sheriffs, it doesn't matter. It's the same textbook, same state exam all the way across the state. And so I'm very proud to say that uh, uh, we, we had one class graduate. Uh, they're coming to graduation, but they took their state exam, 100% pass rate. And then I had another class today, 100% pass rate. You know, okay, they've checked the box on the academics, all right? But you always have to, for the pillow test for us and my coordinators is, did we develop them to do the job and have the interactions to be the human that we want them to be? Uh, and, and again, I've only been in place 11 months, 11 and a half months. I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary in about a week and a half. And so, and I tell our folks, when they come through our halls, I want them to leave with some FIPSI DNA, you know, FIPSI just being the short affectionate term for Florida Public Safety Institute. I want them to have FIPSI DNA on them that they take with them, and hopefully it'll be embedded and can help propagate into their maturing into their careers. That's great. So two questions for you. What keeps you inspired? The inspiration comes with the potential of where we can grow growing people, and then growing the institute. One of the things I love doing, I like designing systems. I like designing um, organizationals, organizational designs. Um, 
and then systems, and then how that impacts the people that that is really designed to support. And so I've got uh, visions of three programmatic centers to be developed out there. And, you know, when I went through the interview process, one of the panelists asked me, well, what do you envision needing in 10 years? What kind of buildings and where would you put them? I said, I said, it's not about the buildings. It's about the programs. If we smartly design the programs that serve a purpose, you'll often hear me go back to being purpose-driven, purpose-driven life, purpose-driven policing, purpose-driven professionalism with a purpose. If we design the programs and these centers with a purpose, that will yield what we need for brick and mortar and the infrastructure to support those programs that have a purpose to develop people either internally coming through our programs or what we export to the community. My next question for you is, how do you feel the state of, of law enforcement? What, what, how do you feel it is? Like, do you feel like, do you feel like there's enough people wanting to come into it? I know that there, it's probably been a tough couple of years with just all that's gone on in the world. So, you know, how do we, cause it is such an important job. And, and making sure you get the right people doing it. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you are absolutely correct. But most people, it's hard to frame what was the chicken and the egg. Where did that start at? Well, it started with a couple of high-profile cases that uh, they were ugly, and some of them were not correct in the procedural response, and some, some of them were correct, but it was ugly. And so if you get behind the eight ball on the narrative on an ugly situation, but it was a reasonable situation, but it was ugly, you'll always be behind. And so those who tend to be kind of an anti-administration, anti-authority, uh, kind of that ilk in society, they're going to get traction on that. And so that is what has happened several years ago. So how do we, how do we combat that Sometimes it's rightfully so because it was surely self-inflicted because it was just a bad decision, okay, and it was ugly. Sometimes certain things were reasonable, but they were ugly. And so I think in law enforcement, and again, that law enforcement term again, in public safety, in policing, uh, kind of set back. And to a certain degree, one thing you never want to learn or ever do, uh, and I learned this as a police administrator, is don't sit there and circle the wagons. If you made a mistake, say, own up to it. Ownership is big in, in, in my world. Mm-hmm. Own it, admit it, m- and move on. How do we fix it? How do we mitigate it from happening again? But if you sit there and just be defensive and not own it when you do need to own it, that only hurts your credibility. And so then on the, on the heels of that, then we had COVID. A lot of folks, I mean, a lot of folks were kind of resigned to not working. And so there's a combination. So what does the new normal look like? I don't know. But uh, when, I was, when I was chief, I was interim chief for six months before I retired. I actually had a meeting with uh, now Dr. Kimberly Moore. She's the vice president for workforce development for Tallahassee Community College. I actually had a meeting with her. I brought in one of my recruiters, one of my command staff members. I said, Kim, I said, I hear you on the radio, talk radio quite frequently, and you're, you identify gaps in society for uh, uh, occupational gaps, and then, but you help get people plugged into the, the credentialing certifications to do that. I said, I want to do that in law enforcement. 
I said, we need to do a better job on the recruitment. And this is systemic-wide. It wasn't just at the Tulsa Police Department. The Tulsa Police Department does fairly well in that because it's a, it's a professional organization a lot of folks want to, uh, want to work at. And so then I left that chief position, retired. But I told her then, I said, I would love to create a course to go into high schools on an introduction to public safety. I said, we got to plant those seeds early that public safety and law enforcement particularly is not a four-letter word. There is so much nobility and satisfaction, not just job satisfaction, life satisfaction. Anywhere you work in a, in a occupation where you're giving and you're helping and you're growing, you could be a social worker, you could be a police officer, you could be a nurse, you could, any of these positions, there's, there's intrinsic satisfaction with helping people. Since I've been out at Fipsy, uh, actually kind of had an epiphany. I'm like, no, high school is not good enough. We need to get into middle schools. And so I just had a, a good meeting with the uh, Gaston County, some members of Gaston County School Board on trying to get into the to their schools, maybe build an elective course, uh, maybe use as a pilot to then further propagate out into our immediate service area in the surrounding counties of getting in and teaching public safety, uh, introduction public safety, public safety awareness to occupations in public safety, not just policing. We got policing, fire, you can get into EMS, um, and, but, but to do that, but to get into the middle schools, age relevant, and, but we got to plant the seeds, start the relationship building through those seeds, and that, you know something, this is a viable option, and you feel good when you can help people and bring, leave people better than you found them, bring calm out of chaos, and this is how we can develop you to do this. And there's satisfaction even in the development process. That's great. One last question, and then I'll let you go. Um, what do you want, as people listen to you talking, what do you want the community to know about your world? Well, our world, our, you know, we don't just produce, um, again, students, but in a succinct answer is we grow humans to be better citizens and public safety professionals and leaders. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing with me a little bit about what you do and your passion for your work. And, and really thank you for your service to this community for so many years. Thank you. And I'm Steve Outlaw, the executive director of the Florida Public Safety Institute.